Alright, what's up? I'm Niffin, and I'm the person that just pressed the outro music instead of the intro music on the podcast. I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> you really you really did it this time, champ. I sat there waiting for a second. I was like, why isn't the history quotes that are, are supposed to play, play? And then I looked at my soundboard, and it says, outro music, not intro music. Yeah, and for those of you listening, he said, okay, whatever, we're just going to do this thing live. And screwed it up from the very beginning. Literally winging it, and within the first ten seconds, I've already screwed up the podcast. It's all right. I'm proud of you. This is this is life, folks. Bad things happen, and you just keep trucking along, and that's what we're gonna do with this podcast. So, uh, Moravian, how are things? <laughs> uh, they're good, man. I'm a. Uh, I'm actually. So we're talking about the French Revolution Part Two, and I'm drinking out of. I'm drinking out of this mug that my sister got when she was in Paris. So. It's very oh, nice. uh, on brand, but you know, life is good. Um, I'm developing, you know, I have my routines, workout routines, and cleaning the house routines, and podcast and whatever routines. And I'm not getting angry at people just because I uh, I have to wear a mask when I go out. So, yeah. Like imagine imagine being so privileged. Imagine being so privileged and thinking you're being oppressed. By being told you need to wear a mask to protect other people during a pandemic. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Like, uh, I'm being oppressed. No. No, you just have to wear a mask, Karen. What's it's called the, public health. What's the male version of a Karen? What do you call that person? Chad. A Chad. Um, and if Chad Mashburn hand happens to listen to this we're not talking about you chad mashburn's an og i love chad mashburn's mashburn's cool Uh, but it's just like come on man like you look you look in the united states you just just look at united states history and the amount of people that have literally been subjugated and placed in concentration camps uh there are at least three groups of people that come to mind at the moment and some people think they're being oppressed because they have to wear a mask because of a virus that can be spread through your cough and everything else. So I'm angry, but uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Well, get off, uh, get off my soapbox. I uh, I don't know. I'm Do they even make right. boxes of soap anymore? I don't know. That's a good question. Like the soapbox, like was soap shipped in a box? Yeah. Or was like their one bar of soap that was box sized. I'm uh, pretty sure they got shipped in a big old box. Um, soap making is a is an interesting. You ever seen how they make soap? No. It's weird. What do they do? It's like, or like not like your your bar of dial soap or whatever. Right. But like back in the day, whenever you'd have to make soap, like they like, use like, like charcoal like, and stuff and like lard. Yeah. What kind of soap do you use? I just I think I use some Dove, some Dove bar soap. You use Dove bar soap? I, I can't I can't use like the liquid like nice smelly stuff. You can't use body wash? Because that stuff like part of the reason it has that smelly stuff in it is cuz it has like traces of alcohol and it dries my skin out and like gives me a rash. Maybe you're using the wrong type of body wash, pal. I don't know. You might I be just... allergic you might literally be allergic to it. Like I'm allergic to Irish spring soap. Uh, I'm also allergic to the Irish. I don't know what that means. Are you being racist? <laughs> no, I just not a. No, I, I was going to say I'm not a fan of potatoes. Yeah, you were to a, say not a fan. 
I was going to say not a fan of potatoes, but I am a fan of potatoes. I love so. potatoes. What's the best way to cook a potato? This makes me think of Lord of the Rings. Mash them, boil them, stick, stick them in, in a, a stew. stew. Potatoes. What's the best way to cook a potato? Is it mashed? Is it French fried? It's baked. And this is a little known secret. Y'all, like, if you've never had, like, steak in a baked potato and you put, like, A1 sauce on your steak, and it's ever bled onto or like you know the steak sauce ever gotten onto your baked potato and you ate it and didn't like it you're stupid and like put some steak sauce on that baked potato change your life i think so baked potatoes are good but maybe the best type of potato is the twice baked potato you ever had one of those Ooh, it's like then- you you bake it then you cut it open and you put like cheese and like sour cream and no, everything like inside it and then you bake it a second time why would you and do so that? it's like super soft and like oh it's so good so good anyways um we should probably talk about the french revolution now viva la uh, revolution they didn't have potatoes they also didn't have bread which is probably going to be a theme today Kamiar. is it uh, or moravian sorry i didn't mean to call you by your first that's name not my real name on, on the podcast my real name is danger <laughs> so <laughs> we're we're probably going to talk a lot about bread today uh, i'm we not going to talk about any bread we we talked about it last week a little bit but one of the big reasons why the commoners of france really start to look to change their government not only are they getting screwed over on money and taxes but there's a massive <laughs> famine and nobody can eat and so the wheat. in this yeah <laughs> nobody can eat the wheat um so a few things happen with bread. First off, obviously, bread is made from wheat. And the peasants were so angry that out in the countryside of France, they were burning down houses of the farm owners. And the farm owners are like the really rich people. Imagine imagine just being so angry. And, like, of course, there isn't any Twitter back then. There's no internet. There's any, Everything's, like, by word of mouth. So, like, you ever played a game of telephone and how horrible that goes? Just, like, not even just playing the game, but just, like, you hear one thing from one person, you hear another thing from another person, but it's about the same thing, and they're yeah. totally different. Oh, yeah. And so, like, people get really angry, or you can just go to Facebook. That's, like, the modern version of what happens because, okay, I'm not going to talk about people that use Facebook. But anyways, um, people were just like, I hear the rich people are hoarding the bread. Oh, the government's hoarding the bread and not giving us any. And then they got really angry, and they said, well... Instead of just getting angry, let's burn their freaking houses down. So they all, they went and burned their houses down. Talk about taking matters into your own hands. And they also often broke into these fancy manor houses and stole all their wine and were drunk while they were burning houses down. Pretty on brand. Burning down houses. Pretty on brand. But you also have to think about like, so these big fancy farmhouses are owned by the nobility. They own massive swaths of land that are farmed. But they're not doing any of the farming. It's the peasants that are farming the land. The peasants do all the work, and then the nobility were reaping all the benefits from it. The peasants are making barely a living wage, while the nobility, the people who own that farmland, really profit off of it. And so it was a, a really crappy system for the poor people who eventually what just had enough of it. isn't crappy for the poor people? That's a very good point. I guess socialism, really, but even then... That turns out badly in many cases. It's like you want to know the history of the world. The rich people crap on the poor people. Repeat. And then there's racism involved usually somewhere. 
Yeah, higher, typically. Hierarchies of stuff. So, Marabian, one of my favorite aspects, one of my favorite parts of the French Revolution uh, still has to do with bread. So in the wintertime... Got to get this, that bread. Yeah, so all, all of this stuff from the tennis court oath, the estates general, burning down farmland, everything, this is all happening in a matter of months. And as the winter starts to approach, in Paris, they have bread lines. So there was such little food that you would have to go get in line each day and this was typically the the mothers, the women would go get in line. And they would wait in line for hours in the cold to get their ration of bread for their family for the day. And then you would take that bread home. And they were getting pretty upset with this process. And like you said, like the game of telephone, word starts to spread that the queen, Marie Antoinette, and her husband, King Louis, and their children... Um, they are hoarding food, and they are having massive feasts each Gasp. night. And they're having bread, and they're having fresh meat, and they're having butter, and they're having wine. And then their leftovers that they didn't eat that night is going to the dogs. Ugh. What kind and, of dogs? That's a good question. Uh, that, that, that might change the story significantly. Probably, this m- I'm, I'm betting a French bulldog. And this might really... I mean, this did really, uh, really upset the peasants that... The, uh, they thought Madame Marie Antoinette, they thought she was like, you know, France is, France is in a huge amount of debt, right? And like you just said, they're spending, they said, oh, they're spending all this money on food and these parties and whining and dining everybody. And um, sh- they see Marie, like these poor people not having anything. And they see Marie Antoinette going and having these fancy dresses made and yada yada. So they named, they nicknamed her Madame Deficit because... They kept on deficit spending because the roy- the royals did whatever they want. So that made the people in the bread lines even more angry. Yeah, and Marie Antoinette, uh, famously, before even any of this revolution stuff started, very extravagant. Always had to have like the newest style of dresses and like the, the most high-class things you could get. She's um, a princess. She was a queen. I mean, yeah, make, make she's, sense. Uh, she was, as the kids would say, bougie. Yeah, bourgeoisie, that's where the word comes from. Yeah, so she was uh, always living a very lavish lifestyle. Also, at this time, King Louis and Marie Antoinette are not in Paris. They stayed back in Versailles, which is about 20 miles outside of Paris at at this massive palace. Tuileries Palace. Yep, and so the best way to kind of describe Versailles is it's the very classy... Um, it's Edmund of Oklahoma suburb. City. Yeah, it's Edmund. It's Edmund, or it's <laughs> w- what's right there just north of Edmund. Oh, it's it, Nichols Hills of Oklahoma City. Yeah, Nichols Hills are like Deer. I think Deer Creek is the Deer fancy Creek is one, and then no, no, Bridge yeah. Creek is like the trashy one down south, I think. I, if you are listening to this and you live in Bridge Creek, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing against people in Bridge Creek, just Deer Creek is the, uh, is the rich folk part of town. And so that's basically where the king is saying. Yeah. So the women of Paris, the, the common women who are starving, who can't feed their children, eventually have had enough of it. And they decide, you know what? Instead of standing for hours in this bread line, I'm just going to kill somebody. Let's all get together and march over to Versailles, to that palace, and demand that the king give us his food and that Marie Antoinette give us her food. I'm going to kill the queen. So they march for 20 miles in the middle of the winter time. That's a lot of miles. Yeah. Like, well, you and I have walked about that that far. Did we? All, that wasn't 20 miles, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about 20 miles. Whenever uh, 
Marabian and I took yeah. part in the walk from the bus barn At here Central in Moore. Yeah, right next to Central, all the way up to the state, state capital during the walkout. I think that was about 14 or 15. Yeah. So it was close to 20. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Yeah, that was a good time. It took us a long time. And it was also really, it got, it was really warm and they got really cold. Yes. And then it got really warm again. Yeah, yeah. I think it kept going back and forth. And so, like, you're like, do I wear a hoodie? Do I not wear a hoodie? Yeah. And then you just, we were sweating a lot because we were walking anyways. Yeah. And then it got cold, so it stopped sweating. Yeah. It was, uh, Anyways, walking a lot of miles is tiring. Yes, and these women walk 20 miles in a day in the cold in Paris or in France from Paris to Versailles to basically like verbally accost the royal family. You got to imagine that these women are already really angry and you just made them walk 20 miles to get to you about the bread. So they're now double angry. And now they're going to wait at the palace because you're not going to talk to them. So now they're triple angry and they might do something if they're triple angry. And the biggest thing that makes them even more angry is it's not that these women want food because they're hungry and they just want to fill their bellies. It's about their kids. And these, I mean, think of the children. Yeah. Like a mom pissed off about her child is a scary mom. Hell hath no scorn like a woman something, right? <laughs> hell something hath like no that. fury like a... Oh, hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn. There Basically, this means uh, if a woman's angry, watch out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, these women show up at the palace gates demanding that Queen Marie Antoinette open the gates and move them. Actually, some women uh, snuck over the wall and broke yeah, into the palace. Like, Marie Gangsters. Antoinette didn't want that smoke. No, actually, and they didn't let them in the palace. And um, some dudes snuck in. They got in. They actually got in the palace. And they, uh, he, he was thinking, like, Marie Antoinette, there's a bunch of secret doors and secret hallways in this palace, just like the, for many royals. And, um Sounds so cool. Yeah, and Marie Antoinette was like walking somewhere in the palace, and because it wasn't just women that came with them, there were men with them too, and there were two dudes that snuck in the palace that basically said they had like knives that they were about to like kill this woman, and of course she they screamed. Ain't playing games, man. They, she screamed and all over a baguette. The guards came over, uh, got the men, and yeah, so it was pretty serious. But nothing really came about of that. Yeah. Um. So some of our, our students who are listening, Moravian, might uh, have heard of this, uh, but and, and you are probably more uh, knowledgeable about this than I am, but there is a, uh, a famous quote that Marie Antoinette supposedly says about these women at the gates. Can you, kind of, can you tell us what that quote is and then kind of explain like the history behind it and if it's actually true or not? Are you talking about the let them eat cake thing? Yes. Okay. Uh there's no okay so first of all the rumor is that she said let them eat cake because they wanted bread right and uh for for an average person you're like oh well i mean that sounds fantastic i mean i love cake like chocolate cake and some frosting uh, on that thing that sounds great like what's your favorite kind of cake oh chocolate for sure i like birthday cake i like birthday cake ice cream oh god so good but anyways like so like the average person, you're like, all right, well, I'd rather have cake than just average bread. You can do a lot of that stuff with that. You pour milk on it, it's fantastic. Um, but in reality, cake 
from what Marie Antoinette was referencing was not the cake you're thinking of. It's just like the small remnants of bread left over that weren't like baked properly and stuff like that. So it was like scraps. Um, so that would really, really, really make people angry that wanted bread. Yeah, this is what you give like the the cows or the pigs or the yeah. dogs or whatever. That would really make those people angry. So there's a rumor that she said that and that made the people super angry. Um, but there's actually no recollection of her ever saying that. So again, it may be another one of those rumors that started and caused people to get into a frenzy because people are not worried about sources and stuff like that like they are on Twitter today. And so people got into a frenzy, and that's another reason why people are just really upset about this woman and their there's stuff in France. And that's it really, really starts to escalate from there. Like it goes from like zero to one hundred pretty quick. Yeah. So eventually the women and the, the the marchers, the protesters who went to Versailles convince the king and Marie Antoinette to come back to Paris. Uh, basically the argument is hey, we're all starving in Paris. You're supposed to be the leader of this country, and you're hiding out in your massive palace in the rich neighborhood. No, you need to come back so whenever there's a need, you are readily available to try to take care of that need. And so they force Marie Antoinette uh, and King Louis and their children to come back and stay at the palace in Paris. Now, when they get back, though, it's, it's like they're under de facto house arrest. They, the, the citizens of Paris are keeping, keeping an eye on the king, making sure he's not trying any funny business. I hate funny business. And then the king tries some funny business. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff that happens before that. Um, I don't, because like, I forget where we left off last time. Um, but the Declaration of the Rights of Man that's his, and we talked about that, you know, when people were really angry. Um, they, they wanted to write a constitution. These people that they weren't allowed into the Estates General and to write a constitution suggests that the king's power is going to be limited, meaning he no longer has absolute power. He can no longer do whatever he wants. So the Third Estate, which are commoners and just like regular people like you and me and also like educated people like you and me, like for example, like you don't have to be rich uh, or you can get very wealthy by being in the Third Estate, but... You know, you can get an education and be a really nice lawyer, but still be in that third estate. They renamed themselves the National Assembly to make that constitution, right? Yes. And then, then even more so, <clears throat> excuse me, they renamed themselves once more to to the National Convention. So they went from something called the Third Estate to the National Assembly, then to the National Convention, <clears throat> and they were split because of course you can never have one united front they had two um they had two kind of sections so for example like the united states they have two major political parties democrats and republicans uh the national convention they had two they had girondins and montagnards and a girondin these are people that are like really f these are people that are pretty friendly with the rich people these are people that are really friendly with the bourgeoisie or people that are bougie, like you would suggest, people that had a lot of, uh, unlike, you know, Migos, they didn't have a whole lot of new money. They had a whole lot of old money, though. Um, they, they wanted a republic everywhere. They wanted to put in a republic, which meant 
no king power. Everything's based upon nobility and government and what they thought was right. So that's what the Girondins thought. And then the Montagnards, they were led by a dude named Maxime or Maximilian Robespierre, who is like one of my favorite characters ever in history. His nickname was the Incorruptible. How cool is that? Yeah, it's a good nickname. And, uh, of course, he ended up being corrupted. But uh, he wanted, and so what the Montagnards did, and they'll eventually be called the Jacobins, they wanted everybody, like including the Third Estate, the poor people, the common person, to be involved on the government and the economy. So the king sees all this, like you said, like they're in Paris. They, don't, they said not to do any funny business. And the king says, well, I mean, like, he sees where this is going, all right? It's pretty clear this is not going to end well if he just sits back and does nothing. And they are of this dynasty. And if what is a dynasty, Niffin? Uh, it's basically, think of it as like a royal family, right? Yeah. It's for generations and generations, this one family has ruled a place. Uh, we all know that when a king dies... It's his son that takes over the throne. Now, if he doesn't have a son, he can name an heir. Maybe it's his brother. Uh, in England, there was the Nephew, case of, of, of the daughter. Yeah. Um, but, but so the dynasty is like the long run of a family ruling a place for generation after generation. For example, Kim Jong-un, who is apparently not dead. Uh, that's the Kim. Have you, seen, have you seen those videos of the guy that's like, uh, harnessed up like on a zipline thing and he's blacked out and his body's just <laughs> flopping. People said yes, whenever North uh, Korea brings out their great leader again. Yeah, or like... Oh my God, I laugh so hard. A movie that's like, but even before our time, it's called The Weekend at Bernie's where like since Bernie is dead and these two guys are partying and like they have him over, they're like they have his shoulders draped over their shoulders and they have him wearing a hat and sunglasses acting like making his dead body seem like he's still alive. So the Kim, yeah. the Kim Jong Un, Kim is not his first name, and Kim Jong Il is his dad, and Kim is not his first name. That's their na- that's their family's name, the Kim Dynasty. So, yeah, it's so this is the Bourbon Dynasty, and just like back then, it's pretty. It, it sounds pretty weird now, but today, uh, yeah, it sounds pretty weird now, but back then it was pretty normal. There were lots of people of the Bourbon dynasty all over Europe. Royal families would marry into their already royal family and have royal blood and pure-blooded heirs of that dynasty. So he, King Louis XVI, he's like, hey, I've got family over here. I've got family over there in Austria uh, and stuff like that. He's like, you know what? I am going to... I'm going to go, I'm going to sneak out of this palace. I'm going to go to another country like Austria. And I am going to get their army and come back and crush whatever this revolution may happen and put me back on power. So now these Montagnards and Drondins can go away and I can have absolute power. So in the middle of the night, he flees away. Yeah, not only him, but the whole family. Yeah, him, wife, kids, they start leaving. And uh, do you know the story behind it? A little bit, yeah. So from what I understand, they dress up as peasants. Yeah, but they're riding in like a pretty nice carriage. Yeah, it's like throwing on like a pair of old gym shorts, some beat up Nikes and a wife beater, but then like hopping in your Maserati. Yeah. Like it just doesn't fit. 
and they start to flee. They're going east to get out of Paris, uh, yep. out of France, yep. um, and work their way to Austria. And they are like 15 miles from yeah. the, the border of the country. Uh, and when they cross a bridge and they get stopped by basically like uh, just members of the public. In the middle of the night, they get stopped uh, for their their wagon to get checked. Or their, not wagon, what's the word I'm looking for? Their carriage, carriage. I guess, to get checked. Um, and they get pulled out of the carriage. And somebody recognizes king louis even though he's all made up to not look like he's basically in a costume gotta be the worst feeling for louis the 16th yeah someone's like do i know you did i have like baguettes and and coffee with you oh gosh no that's the king and so they realize that it's the king who is fleeing and he's literally like right on the freaking doorstep from getting outside of paris or outside of france in the city of Varennes, uh they're like right next to the border yeah it's pretty it's it was so wild. close, you know, like it's just you you talk about ripples in history. Like what if the guy that recognized them like hadn't come out uh, or wasn't on shift that night to stop people yep. at the bridge? It's you know? pretty and it's pretty unreal how it happened too because like you said, and like King Louis the 16th, he's this fat lard that like he's very arrogant. And so like occasionally they would never take, seen someone like that in they, power before. Jeez. They would take they would take breaks and he would just stand outside of the carriage longer than they would need to be. And like with their papers, cause you know, they have papers like passport license and registration like we do today. And instead of just like having fake ones, they just had their Royal ones. So already they were screwed from the beginning, but they, uh, he's passing through a town in the, in the city of Varennes, which is like you say, about 15 miles out of Austria. And, and uh, he gets out of the carriage and you know they're they're stopping them or asking him whatever and like you said the guy is like you know he's like i feel like i recognize this dude because you got to imagine again no tv no twitter no facebook but they they've seen like cartoon imagery or like dudes that have drawn like posters about the king so they've seen like you know colored versions of him but actually not his real face it's very like it's super super um, uh, not common to see the president of the United States, you know, in person. Think same thing for the same way for the king. And I mean, Oklahomans got to see Barack Obama after the tornado and stuff like that. But you know, that's like a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, so like seeing the king, it's pretty shocking. And so one of the guys, he find he asks him to step out, and he recognizes him as the king after he sees his passport. And the dude the dude that stopped them actually like bows down to the king. And you got to imagine killing Louis the 16th is like, Oh God, get up, please God, get up. Stop doing that. What are you doing? And it draws attention. And next thing you know, uh, people are like, wait, what's he doing? This dude's trying to run away. Yep. <laughs> and they carry him back to France and whatever Paris, trust, yeah. yeah, back to Paris and whatever trust that the, whatever trust that the French people and Parisians had in King Louis left, they had none and they were totally ready to uh, move on from this dude. Yeah. They felt backstabbed. Right. And, and Robin, you've mentioned this most multiple times, but as we were getting ready for this, I was thinking about this. Could you imagine this happening in the modern age with Twitter? Gosh, Like, 
the president of the United States tries <laughs> to flee to the video. country because he's about to get overthrown. He gets caught in the middle of it. And like that, I mean, the internet would blow up. Yeah. It would go wild, you know? And so you can only imagine the next morning when this wagon, this carriage is rolling back into Paris and all the people are like lining the streets because rumors are spreading that the king tried to flee and they caught him and brought him back. Yeah, there were some people that were still loyal to the king. There were people that still thought, hey, we're going to do this revolution. The king will still be in power, but there's going to be limits to his power and we're going to kind of change the way things are ran. Nobody wants that anymore. They're ready to get rid of this dude. Yep. So again, there's these dudes. So we come back. Yeah. So we come back to the two leaders of the two parties of the national convention with the Girondins and the Montagnards. And the Girondin leaders, um, they get driven out by these extremist Montagnards because the Montagnards, you know, all these people that see what's happening with the king, they see what's happening with people of wealth, they're starting to flee out the country and they're starting to flee, starting to go away. So these these Girondin people that, you know, really backed the wealthy, they're starting to get out because the Montagnards had the support of normal workers, like people that worked in factories and people that worked as tailors and blacksmiths and whatever. And they they are gonna be called the Jacobins. And this they start something called the Reign of Terror, which is engineered by my boy Maxime Robespierre, who is the major Jacobin. And he's a well-educated lawyer dudes from the middle class and in this thing called the reign of terror they start arresting hundreds of thousands of people on suspicion of them being for the king and even today okay today in the united states you're supposed to get a fair trial if something has gone wrong um, or you're supposed to get a fair trial if you've broken the law but um that wasn't the case. They gave you a very quick and speedy trial, as the Americans want people to have, but and the speedy trial was not fair, and they often put many people to death without giving them even a trial. And so they put them to death via guillotine. It's fun. Yes, definitely. And King Louis is one of the first victims of that guillotine. He yeah. ends up getting charged for treason, found guilty in a very quick trial, uh, and is executed. Yep, it's and pretty so, cool. The scene, the scene is really, really cool. Like, he basically gets up there in the middle, in the in the middle of this ma- massive town square. His family's watching from the palace windows. Like, it's in the middle of the city. Like, if you're, you know, you're at the high school, more high school, or whatever, and you're in the courtyard. This is basically where this public execution is being happen is is happening. It's happening in the courtyard where everybody can see it. Everybody can gather around. Uh, you have normal people like us. You have soldiers there. You have the executioner. You have his family watching from the palace windows because they're on house arrest, and they basically put him up there. And they're like, "Hey, um, you need to turn around so I can put." basically tie your hands behind your back and king louis the 16th says like you know i mean is this like really necessary and basically they grab him and tie his hands behind his back they're like they're treating him like a normal average person and not a king anymore so he's like so un he's so not used to this and then they uh right before they buckle him into this contraption because they buckle you in as you're standing straight up and then they put you down horizontally and slide you into this guillotine where only your head is 
head and neck are exposed to this massive blade. And before they strapped him in, he runs up to the crowd and basically like says, everything that's been out there is a lie, it's all fake news, um, and that he did what he was doing for France and he was doing the right thing. And then the military, they have their drummers, like literally dudes on a snare drum, they have their drummers drown out his sound and they strap him in and then they chop his head off and the crowd is screaming, not out of horror, but out of excitement and they're saving, saying Viva la Revolution and then the dude, because the head just doesn't roll on the ground, it falls into a basket to catch the head and the executioner takes him by the hair, takes his head by the hair, I guess, and holds it up for the crowd to see and there's blood coming out of the out of his neck that had been severed, and everybody's like screaming, like, "Ah, oh, this is amazing!" And um, his wife Some follows. Animals. His wife follows like nine months later, Marie Antoinette. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy, and that's that's really starts the reign of terror in which several people are condemned to death, and then then there's counter revolutions, and there's revolutions after that, and so the revolution it doesn't stop there; it accelerates even more. Definitely. And so, Marabia, maybe we save uh, a lot of, more of our talk on the reign of terror and the counter-revolutions and the, the rise of Napoleon and stuff for next week. Yeah. But one thing I, I want to spend maybe just two or three quick minutes on is we're talking about all of this stuff kind of in a vacuum. Um, what's going on specifically in France? But we talked about how Louis was trying to flee to basically extended family who were ruling in Austria or anywhere else in Europe. You have to think this is all going on in France, which is is Western Europe, um, but but everybody knows about France, and everybody in Europe is getting news. People in England, people in Spain, people in Austria, uh, people Prussia. In, in Russia, people in, in Prussia. Greece, uh, Prussia, yeah, everywhere. People are seeing what's going on here, and all these other countries have kings just like Louis, and now the the common citizens are seeing that the french citizens were able to overthrow their government and they chopped the head of their king off and That's said we're so cha- we're changing things for forever and the kings of other places the king of spain the king of england the king of prussia the king of austria are probably thinking <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> these dudes just chopped his head off in front of everybody yeah like am i next like what if these ideas of revolution what if my common people start talking yeah. and start wanting change, so and then they come after antsy. me? They're getting antsy and they're pantsy. Especially, they, they probably find, they probably get even more upset and really anxious once they found out one of King Louis the Sixteenth's top ministers didn't even get the guillotine. People tracked him down on the street and cut his head off with a dull knife, God, butter knife. <laughs> Sit there for thirty to forty-five minutes. <laughs> I'm almost done. Twenty more minutes. Stop twitching. Yeah, but yeah, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's happening in France, but every other place in Europe is watching this and thinking they're terrified. Is that going to bleed over into here? Mm-hmm. Does that happen here? So, what do they start doing? What do these other powers start doing? Uh, well, the other powers, the the people that are in charge, these other kings, we got to shut that down and fast, <laughs> yep. so that so those ideas don't spread over to here. Shut it down. Right, so they try to shut it down. They part of them wants to shut it down. You know, don't let these ideas spread. But then the other aspect that you look at it is if if I'm the king of Prussia, I look at France and I say 
There's no organized government. The yep. military's fractured. There's a political divide. They're, they're kind of in chaos. If I was ever going to invade France and try to take some of their land from them, when's a better time than right now? Yeah, and literally, it's like all they call, they call them the coalitions. It's like the first coalition. There's like three. And it's like pretty much like European nations, Prussia, Austria, England, Spain, whatever, you name it, mix and match them. All these countries are banding up together to try to take down one country in France. But France had amassed the largest standing military ever uh, for a certain point in time. So it's not going to go well. that's another reason why they were in debt so much. It's because the government pays for the military and the government gets money from taxes. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of comes full circle. Incredible. All right. Well, next week, we're going to talk about the fun topic of the reign of terror. Napoleon the Bonaparte. Yeah, we'll talk about Napoleon and uh, maybe the greatest uh, exile in history. I mean, have you ever seen the island of Elba? No. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Like, if my country said, hey, you can never be here again. You have to go live on this island. And then I made it to Elba, and I looked at it. I'd be like, oh, God, this is... This isn't a punishment. This is a privilege. I mean, but like, there's, there's not, there's nothing there. Oh well, I'm there. He died shortly after, anyways. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'm gonna play the outro music again, again. second time. Or should I play the intro music to end the podcast, dude? I don't it's care. It's like reverse day. Reverse day. So, hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you learned something. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, let Marabian and I know. Uh, we're both on Twitter. I'm at Mr. Underscore Niffin. Marabian, where can they find you? I don't even know my Twitter. I think it's Marabian Wap. But, I mean, f- whoever left that iTunes review that said I was the smartest man alive, thank you for that. I, I really, hate you so much. I really much. appreciate that. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Continue to wash your hands. Continue. I know uh, things are opening up, but wear a mask. Be safe. Don't uh, don't be crazy. Don't be and, stupid. Yeah. We will talk to you again next Monday. See ya. I need a time machine. Bill Ted. <laughs>